The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Welcome to the Church of Roy, an armchair all-American podcast. Warning, today's show may include adult language. Now here are your hosts, Brian Wilcox and Steve DeWalt. Welcome everybody back to the Church of Roy podcast. Uh, Coming off another Blazers win is kind of becoming routine here. So uh, Blazers still in control of their own destiny. But before we get into that, I want to introduce our co-host as always, Brian Wilcox. I'm Steve DeWald from Blazers Edge, Associate Editor. Um, Brian, how you doing tonight? Doing pretty well, man. Another big win for Portland. How you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm, I'm stoked that we have you up in, in the mountain time zone, in, in the gods time zone, and, and you're up late talking yeah. blazers. Maybe you'll get a little loose tonight. I, I, you know, I wake up early. It's, it's only like 10 over here, but if I start saying some weird loopy stuff, that's my excuse. Hey man, we're old. We're, we're getting old. Mm-hmm. So you know, I, my, just a fatherhood tangent, my daughter has officially gained the ability to get out of her bed, out of her room and into our room. And it has been an experience to say the least in the last week. So life changing real quick. My wife kind of has a tendency to talk in her sleep. Um, so I wake up the other night and I hear this conversation and I'm like, Oh, Mal's probably just, you know, so I usually just kind of gently tap her in those situations. Well, then the voice changes to like a child and my brain with all the movies I've watched, I'm like, Holy shit. The shining is happening in my house. This place is fucking haunted. All the priests. Yeah, exactly. And then I'm like, like legit panicked. And my wife's like, it's your daughter. And I'm like, Oh, cool. And then in a side note, I probably dropped a hard goddamn it at some point around that time. And definitely today in the car, my daughter debuted for the first time 
two very crisp, well-placed goddammits. So I got that text while I was at work today. So I'm, I'm just killing it. I'm, I'm starting the week off great. She's your father's enough, daughter, clearly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So enough about me and, and my uh, first attempt at raising a child here. So hopefully kid number two is not going to be as huge of a pain in the ass. But I, I, lo- I love numero uno. Um, that said, Blazers on a crazy winning streak right now, especially considering where we were a couple weeks ago. Um, in the driver's seat for the fifth seed, uh, the Mavericks picked up a win tonight. The Lakers are playing the Rockets without LeBron, without Anthony Davis. So we'll see what happens there. Um, it, it looked like it was tight where we're recording now. Yep. Uh, we'll, we'll have a final score on that. But really, just just crazy to see where this team is and – and what it could mean going forward. What have you seen kind of in the, since the last time we've talked over these last three, four games? Man, it's been fun to watch. I didn't – if you would ask me a month ago if this team had it in them, and I don't think I would have said yes, but I think it's a real testament to the organization that they've probably hit the lowest point. Um, and I'd say, you know, a year and a half, two years with that five-game win streak, things were pretty dark in, in the Rose City, and they've, they've really come back and – Shows a lot of grit on their end. And, you know, just on the court in particular, the thing I've really enjoyed watching is just the shot distribution in general. It looks like uh, CJ, Dame, and Norm are kind of getting it, making sure they all get touches, get looks. And then, you know, Nurkic is taking advantage of of, uh, matchups when he can to kind of be that fourth guy providing a steady offense. Sports, culture, takes, take line has it all. Take Line is a weekly podcast hosted by Emmy winner Jason Concepcion and former WNBA champ Renee Montgomery. That's a fast-paced exploration of the NBA and the world of sports and culture. Each week, Jason and Renee talk about the games, players, controversies, and issues that run on and off the court. This is a great listen. Right now, go follow them on Take Line every Tuesday where you get your pod. Hey guys, this is Producer Perry, and I want to talk to you about an awesome app that we've been using here on the Church of Roy called Locker Room. It is a live, audio-only sports talk platform. You can talk to me, you can talk to Steve, Brian, lots of other insiders and athletes, including Andre Iguodala and Bam Adebayo. It is free to use on all iOS devices, including your iPhone, your iPad, and all things like that. Guys, it's been a blast being able to talk to all of you and communicate uh, in just a different way, a different avenue to, to get our points and perspectives across. So all you have to do is go to your iOS app store and download the Locker Room app for free. Yeah, I mean, Nurkic has returned to, and I've harped on this and harped on this, but he really is that that key to unlocking the whole court for the Blazers. But also, you kind of touched on it. I mean, just the shot distribution. We're not seeing pick and roll, pick and roll, pick and roll, isolation, isolation, isolation on the second unit. Like, we're really kind of seeing those horn sets come back. Yep. We're seeing a lot of movement on the perimeter, off ball and on ball. Um Guys are really clicking at it. And it's and this is the type of basketball that really got Portland to this stage, got them, you know, well known for their offense, not just because it was guys putting up a bunch of points, because there's a zillion teams in this league that have lead stars that can put up a bunch of points. But what the Blazers do is they make it look pretty. They make it look unselfish when it mm-hmm. when it's really clicking. And and we've seen a return to that. And, and like you said, not only are they nine and one in their last ten games, but it's looked great. 
and I, I am interested to see how much of that is really just the averages coming back and right. what's going on there or, or what, what have you seen? We talked about the offense. What have you seen defensively? We touched on Nurkic a little bit, but what have you seen from some of the other guys in the rotations? It just feels like guys are flying around a little bit more. You know, that's such a cliche thing to say, but it just looks like there's a little more urgency on that end. I don't know if there was some uh, impassioned stop speech in the midst of that or at the end of that losing streak to really rally the troops, but whatever it is, it just really looks like they're giving a much more spirited effort on the defensive end. Um, there probably is some, um, a little bit of just guys getting used to it, getting their sea legs back with Nurk and the norm kind of getting into a new system and just a level of comfort on that end. That's maybe helped. Um, but you, you know, Nurk I, being back is the biggest factor. Yeah. And I think not only is Nurk back, but I like, and I, you know, it's another point I harp on with this defense, but I think Robert Covington is in his comfort zone right mm -hmm. now. Yeah. And I, and I think, I don't know, like you said, I, I would assume something was said, whether it was from the coaching staff or in the locker room, but it feels like Covington is doing less of covering for other people and playing right to his, his zone, what he does well and what got him. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I'm on an all-defensive team. And whether that's guys doing better on the perimeter, which I think it's safe to say Damian Lillard for sure has, has upped his intensity on the defensive end. Um, in the last two weeks. And, and part of that could be those guys playing well. Part of it could be Yusuf Nurkic is just there in the middle and he's really absorbing a lot of that penetration and stuff they struggled with, mm -hmm. you know, with canter-based lineups. But, you know, another thing too, I think shortening up that lineup or the mm -hmm. rotation, just kind of tightening up to eight guys. I think there's just a little bit more continuity from game to game. Mm -hmm. um, it is interesting that Derek Jones, one of their – you know, at least a guy who's labeled as one of the better defenders on the team hasn't been seeing the court, and they have been bringing off uh, three offensive-minded guys off the bench. But really, you know, I think maybe there's some value in just keeping that eight-man group together, tightening that up, and 
just having that familiarity with each other and, and tighten up. That's led them to tighten up some rotations and they're still, you're not going to confuse them for, uh, you know, the Chauncey Billups led Pistons <laughs> or anything, but they're, they've played so much better on that end of the ball or yeah. on that end of the court that it's been real refreshing to watch. Yeah. I think just to get back to that point, I think we might've seen the last audition for some of those guys to really crack their way into the lineup, unless it's going to be a very matchup specific rotation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Mello is out for a couple games. Um, like you said, Derek Jones Jr. gets a long run. Nasir Little picks up an injury, but kind of got, was one of the first couple guys off the bench. And what's so weird about that is, is that game where Derek Jones Jr. plays is against the Spurs. And really, for three quarters, arguably, I would say, that's one of the worst stretches of defense we've seen from the Blazers in the last 10 games. So it's kind of, like you said, it's odd to see Derek Jones Jr. kind of, especially early in the season, made his impact as that primary defender, the tip of the spear type, when they did kind of flirt with those zone type defenses. To see him make more of an impact offensively is certainly odd. And really, it was cool to see him offensively just say, I'm not going to shoot catch and shoot threes. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get downhill and I'm going to put this thing home. And I don't know if it was a kind of a cathartic experience for him just to get like some of those dunks out of his system, but it certainly felt that way. And it was cool to see his number get called and him still get dialed in and come out because I would imagine it's been an incredibly frustrating season for him in his first year with the Blazers. Agreed. And you know, something else I was looking at is, nerding around on basketball reference and uh so 70 games played this year they've had let's see 10 losses by 15 points out of those 17 games and they've had 12 wins by 15 or more points in that 70 game stretch right you pull that sample size down to 10 which granted small sample size and that's as soon as the losing streak started you have zero losses by 15 and you have five wins by 15 or more in that stretch. So what that's telling me just looking at it is that, you know, even with, even when they're playing good teams, they're not getting blown out, you know, Mm -hmm. granted small sample size, but they're competing in every single game. And I don't think we can say that about this team throughout the course of the year. And then in wins, you know, rather than playing down to their competition, they've racked up almost half their 15 point or more wins in these last 10 games, which is, Pretty crazy to me, which kind of shows me that not only they're, are they competing against good teams and hanging in there, they're kind of putting their f- foot down and, and spanking the teams they should, right? And I think that just shows a complete different mindset out of this team and something we've kind of been waiting for all year. And, and it's almost a relief to finally see a little bit of this from the squad, a little bit oh, of attitude, yeah. a little, you know, a little urgency. I, I think it's – to button it up, I think it, it is a sea change from what we've kind of come to know with these Blazers as far as this is a team that notoriously plays down to its level of competition. And, you know, it's funny because we we kind of have that PTSD built into us from that where it's like, oh, Damian Lillard didn't get to sit for the whole fourth quarter? What a disappointing <laughs> game. And it's like, you're still winning by a dozen points. And, and yep. you do kind of – you take care of business and you do, yes, Lillard might be out there, but it's a very different level of effort and expectation that needs to be done when 
you're trying to protect a double digit lead instead of trying to erase an eight point deficit. It's just a different energy output. Yeah. And good teams don't look, you know, good teams don't beat bad teams by eight. They beat them by mm -hmm. 16, 17 points. Well, and shit, Portland's, Portland's been doing that as, as yeah. of the last, you know, again, 10 games, but that's really when we saw, we've seen a step change from this team. So I just mm -hmm. wanted to point that out. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I kind of lose track of that because like I said, I'm one of those guys who are, you know, that Rockets game. I'm disappointed that Damian Lillard isn't sitting for the whole fourth. And I'm looking at these, you know, I'm looking at the jazz. I'm looking at the Suns. I'm looking these games ahead. And this is probably one why I'm definitely not an NBA player plus my subpar athleticism, but two, probably why I don't work for an NBA team or coaching because I just don't, I, I am, could see myself routinely running into that trap of, Oh, this is a trap game. This is a trap game. Like I get so far ahead of myself with this team and I get spoiled with so many, like certain things like that Cavs game is so out of control mm -hmm. and the whole team gets the rest for basically the second half. And, and all of a sudden now I expect that I want that every game unless it's, you know, against a top, top flight competition. Now, just to change gears a little bit, because I think we, we basically know where the strengths are coming from with this team during this run and the numbers reflect that it is on both sides of the court. So you really kind of start to think about these first potential first round matchups. It looks like, you know, taking care of business tonight was huge. They're probably going to, I don't want to jinx it, but they're in good position to avoid the play in. They're actually kind of in a position where they might be able to, kind of finesse their way into the matchup they want. So looking at, you know, the, the teams they could potentially face in that first round, who do you like? Who would you like to see? How do you kind of want this, these standings to shake out? And we've talked about this a little bit, but now it's kind of becoming more concrete. Is, is there a team specifically that you're, you're kind of gunning for? Uh, personally, the Nuggets. Hasn't changed. I'm still on that. Nuggets Hill. Um, there are a few reasons. I just I think that the Nurkic Jokic matchup always makes for compelling TV. Um, I, I love a fired up Nurk, and it doesn't seem like he has he has any issue getting up for a Jokic matchup. And so, mm -hmm. give me six seven games of that. I'm not right there enough is for me to be interested. Um, no. I, I am interested. I mean, we've talked a little bit about the, the Jokic situation there. I am curious, do you have any reservations? And you living in Denver, living in the market, you probably know, like, are you a little worried that this could be the Michael Porter Jr. breakout postseason? Because I, I've, that is a popular discussion point and something that has come up regularly. Yeah. What, what do you think Michael Porter Jr. brings to the floor? And maybe you can expand on that a little bit and potentially who, who does Portland throw at him in a series? Sure. My second little note I had here about the Nuggets was uh, another individual matchup that I was looking at, and that's Powell versus Porter. I think Covington's probably going to slot onto Gordon. Um, Nurk on Jokic, which, which would leave Powell on Porter. He's given up a few inches of the guy. Um, and literally in my notes – Porter's coming out party question mark. <laughs> I, I really do think that he could show, you know, kind of a casual NBA fan how 
um, effective he can be offensively, just his size and ability to handle the ball. Really, you know, you go back to when he was drafted and everyone kept hyping, you know, it was probably top three talent, right? He had the he had the back issues and some of the stuff you hear off the court. There might have been some some other stuff that caused him to drop, but oh, yeah. the guy certainly has top three talent. And I think he's really rounding into form. Um, I think I could see him being a huge problem for Portland. I don't, mm-hmm. it, you kind of miss having that big elite wing defender to throw on him. Right. Yeah. It, I, I distinctly remember Michael Porter jr. Coming up one is, you know, the Brandon Roy connection as far as his coach in high school and then him playing at the Les Schwab Invitational in Hillsboro, and then later coming to the Nike Hoop Summit. Mm-hmm. Two, two events I, I frequent and track. And I remember Michael Porter Jr. being at that Hoop Summit event. And one, was he very clearly the most offensively skilled player? There was not – I mean, these are all top-level guys. There was not a person who could push him out of his comfort zone on the offensive end. And, and the other thing that really stood out is Michael Porter Jr. knew that. And he, he was clearly, he, he was performing as the best player for long stretches and he was acting like it and letting it be known that he was the best player there. Mm -hmm. So he's always been someone who the question has always been injury with him. And then later, you know, some of his personality stuff has come up uh, since he's been in the league. But when you bring up that there's no longer like the Blazers don't really have that elite wing defender. It is kind of a two way street with, Denver as far as you know uh Jeremy Grant is no longer there obviously and then you know you don't have Tory Craig you don't have Gary Harris which Gary Harris mm-hmm. was pretty nicked up at the end of his career so they do have a couple guys that I, I don't think Portland fans might know a whole lot about and, and one of those guys is PJ Dozier mm-hmm. who is kind of that archetype in the Tory Craig mold not only because of how he carved his way into the league, but but a lot of what he brings to his table, and he's a little bit more of a skilled ball handler. What what can, what do you see the Nuggets trying to do to slow down the Blazers in that series? I mean, I'm just happy that Torrey Craig's out of town. That guy was he was an absolute bulldog, and you know he guarded Dame. I've, I've I felt like he made Dame work for his points just about as much as anybody in the league. It just seemed like he really wore him down. Um, so I'm happy to see him gone. <laughs> um, you know, they have Austin Rivers out there now. I don't think he's going to pose the same sort of matchup issues. Uh, Dozier is a decent defender, but I don't think he's anything to really – I think he's not on that level of Torrey Craig. Um Monty Morris is a stout, decent backup point guard. They got that Compazzo guy. Uh, he's fun to watch, but he's absolutely he'll absolutely get torched. I think that uh, I think this is a different Nuggets team. I think they're probably as a team more sound defensively as far as rotations and things like that. But you don't have the same kind of stout one on one defenders in the backcourt. Um, you know they do sport a twelfth or their twelfth in defensive rating, I should say, which is notable. I mean they are a good squad. But they are 27th in assists allowed. And to me, that can really work in Portland's favor because what that tells me is they could probably get to their spots against this Nuggets team. You're going to be able to move the ball. Um, you're not going to have to resort to some of those one-on-one type um, hero ball um, sets that Portland can find themselves in against certain teams. I think against the Nuggets, you can get in your flow. You can get Nurkic out, dribble handoffs, uh, backdoors. I think that's completely – 
uh, in the realm of possibility against this Nuggets squad. So for those few reasons, you know, just to kind of put a bow on it, that's that's why I'd prefer the Nuggets over the other likely opponent who'd be the LA Clippers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just a real real quick on the on the Nuggets thing. It, it it is interesting to hear kind of the weak points in that defense because it almost encourages the Blazers to to play the style of offense that we were were praising earlier. Exactly. And yep. and, and Norman Powell, I mean, basically I've turned into a nonstop Norman Powell campaign machine. Um, Norman Powell is that guy that can that can do so much with the ball and and be a pressure release for that entire offense that we have seen just absolutely crush and grind the Blazers to a pulp Mm -hmm. with Damian Lillard and Terry Stotts and you would think that this this Nuggets matchup is good I'm interested to see what they do with Aaron Gordon I'm also interested to see how Nikola Jokic will operate against the Blazers because like we've talked about a a little bit the other way is so many teams try to you know I think wrongly double Jokic and and encourage him to pass out of those situations Mm -hmm. and he will absolutely carve you up And, and the thing about the Blazers is is they're pretty hesitant to double team anybody especially a center if if Nurkic is out there on the floor. And I think that has a potential to put Jokic out of his comfort zone in those high pressure situations, especially with Jamal Murray out of the lineup. Um, But I also, I mean, that could be a clip that we cut out and (laughs) play on repeat and make me eat my words for a while. So yeah, they are, you know, offensively though, it is all Jokic. Obviously, Porter's really coming on. I think he's had six threes in the last two games and four in the game before that. He's been around that 30-point mark in all three contests, shooting very well. So I think you can slot Porter in as a really solid two. Um, I think for Portland, it, it might just come down to not letting everyone else beat you, right? And not letting Jokic's wizardry mm-hmm. from the from the you know nail um, kind of get you in trouble in other, mm-hmm. in other spots. Okay. So you mentioned him, and it's it's a hill that I, I have found myself on. I know it's not a popular take, but I really want to see a Blazers-Clippers matchup in the first round. All right, and let's go there. <laughs> so so there, there's a lot of things going into this. I, I think it, you could basically, at this point, if the Blazers exit the series with a victory, you can basically start to define Paul George's career as the guy who always lost to Dame in these big playoff series. And I I would assume that, you know, with the way the Clippers crashed and burned out of the bubble last year, if it goes with a first round exit again this year, you're probably looking at an owner like Balmer making some pretty significant moves. This is a guy who traded Blake Griffin immediately after signing a supermax contract Mm -hmm. and just so just from an overarching storyline arc even if it's only a 20 percent chance the payoff of the blazers winning that series is monumental like you you have damian lillard who could basically eviscerate another franchise like he did Mm -hmm. in the oklahoma city thunder matchup wise 
there's some things I actually kind of secretly like about this matchup. I think Paul George and Norman Powell, I think that's a good matchup. I think Norm has the chops to, to really go after Paul George and kind of prevent George from doing a lot of things that he did against the Blazers when he was in OKC. Mm-hmm. Uh, because basically the Blazers were at the mercy of Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson, Russell Westbrook in that series where they were just depending on Russell Westbrook to take over too much. What do you think about the Norman Powell, Paul George matchup? Uh, were you referencing the Thunder being too reliant on Westbrook to take over? Yeah, yeah. There? Well, that's so because I was going to say the the Blazers. I think were hoping that Westbrook that, tried what, to take what, over because Paul George actually played really well in that. Series, that's what so. I'm getting. That's what <laughs> yeah, I'm getting yeah, at. Okay, like, okay. The Blazer. I think the Blazers' best defense against Paul George <laughs> yeah. in that series was when, hoping that Russell Westbrook was going to start cooking. Yeah, let Russ so. cook. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. always a tried and true uh, playoff. Um, you know, I I'm in agreement with you. I think that well, not on the. There aren't a ton of matchups I like in this series. I'll be just straightforward with that. But as far as Paul George in a vacuum, um, I like Norman on him much better than anyone we've had. Um, Mm -hmm. I I do think that he can – he'll make it tough. I think Paul George will still get his. He seems to play pretty well against the Blazers. Um, Everyone just remembers the shot. But, man, he was tough that series. So, um and even when they played in April, right, they were missing Kawhi, and PG was a problem. But I like Norm's chance to get some too. I think he'll pester him, make like make life difficult. Um, but you know, if some if Norm gets in foul trouble or something like that, you're looking at you're looking at some problems. This week has tons of sports action as the MLB, NBA, and NHL are in full swing. Get all the latest news, odds, and info on all your sporting needs, including the MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. For the next pitch, three-pointer, slap shot, or spinning back fist, head on over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the great sports news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get out there, put some money on these games, this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for the runs to the playoffs. Bet online, your online sports experts. You work hard and you play hard. So treat yourself and stack up for summer barbecues with Kansas City Steak Company. Visit KansasCitySteaks.com and get 10% off your order and free shipping with code SD at checkout. From classic steak cuts to USDA Prime, American style Kobe, hard to find specialty cuts, and more. Kansas City Steaks has you covered and has everything you need to fire up the grill this spring and summer. Seriously, don't be the guy who has just a weak ass package of weenies when you, everybody shows up to your house to barbecue. And Kansas City Steaks makes it easy not to be that guy. So each order from Kansas City Steaks is flash frozen so you know it's going to taste good when you get it out of your freezer and it's delivered directly to your home. Satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. Imagine just relaxing in the backyard, playing some cornhole. Everybody's enjoying steakhouse quality meals from Kansas City Steaks. Try their butter tender filet mignon, Kansas City strips, juicy steak burgers, all beef jumbo hot dogs, and even complete meal combos. Bring the steakhouse to your house this summer with Kansas City Steaks. Go to KansasCitySteaks.com and get 10% off your order and free shipping with the code SD at checkout. 
one more time. That's KansasCitySteaks.com, and our listeners can use promo code SD for 10% off. That's KansasCitySteaks.com, code SD. Put some meat on the grill. Yeah, it uh, it goes it it escalates quickly from there. Um, I I do think the Blazers just have that ability with Norman Powell to cut off the point of attack, and, and a guy who fights through screens in Norman Powell and, and really will chase down on ball off ball his assignment. And, and like you said, the Blazers just haven't had to had that. Mm-hmm. They're either one throwing CJ McCollum to the wolves in that situation or two, they're playing an oversized player that has to navigate, you know, screen after screen after yeah. screen in a Mo Harkless or Alfred Aminu. And it's just never worked out. It just put those guys in bad positions. So to, to put a bow on the Norman Powell thing, I think he is like, and I think we're in agreement here. He's the best equipped player the Blazers have had in a long time to, to guard a player like Paul George. Now where it does get sticky is what you do about Kawhi Leonard. And so much of what the defensive turnaround with it being, yes, it's Yusuf Nurkic in the middle, but the Blazers turnaround is really focused on letting Robert Covington play that, that free safety type role. Yep. You're going to be asking him to play a very, you know, cumbersome one-on-one matchup against Kawhi Leonard and and that's where I I think Covington is up to it again I think it's one of the more favorable matchups I think Al Farouk Aminu and and Robert Covington are are close to the same footing I think Al Farouk Aminu is probably a little bit better on ball defender when he's healthy but uh I, I still don't hate that matchup I don't love it but I think there's there's an avenue where you can at least kind of make them th- some things difficult for Kawhi Leonard. Listen, I'm I'm just gonna be excited if the players aren't in the pl- playing because that's where I thought we were heading. Yeah, so yeah. getting either one of these yeah. teams is a yeah. is a is an upgrade, and I think both teams are absolutely beatable. Um, Kawhi is definitely a problem, and and you're right, it takes Covington out of that free safety role. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the Clippers also have some other guys that it seems like Marcus Morris is a guy that kind of beat up on Portland for whatever reason. Um, Abaka, his ability to stretch floor from the five spot kind of takes away what, you know, you saw it against the Jazz tonight where Nurkic guarding Gobert was able to kind of hang back and really cover for a lot of those guys and, and stop that dribble penetration of the paint or at least, you know, affect it. Where if Abaka is hanging out towards the three-point line, it really – you know, kind of minimizes his role. And mm-hmm. so I think that's one of the more underrated aspects of it where you don't have that, your, your strong backline or defense there with Nurik under the basket. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I think the key with Abaka would be is this, and it's something the Blazers don't do very well. They do a little bit better now with, with some of the guys they have on their roster, but is getting Abaka in foul trouble or, or pushing him out of his comfort zone. Yeah is key and the more minutes you can get Zubach onto the floor it's the more minutes you're going to be able to play Cantor and I like Cantor in that matchup and also yeah. I mean obviously you're getting rest for Yusuf Nurkic I think outside of the like obviously Abak is a huge role he is kind of that if there's going to be a third star on this team it's probably he fits that bill um the matchup I'm really interested in is like 
they're going to try to hide somebody on Nicholas Batum if this is the matchup. And it'll be super interesting if it ends up being Damian Lillard and just those two guys with their established history together and former teammates and what that means for Dame and what that means for Batum as far as what Batum is going to try to do on the offensive end. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I'm excited to see that matchup potentially and see how they kind of game it the other way. I'll be interested to see when Rondo comes off the bench. If we're getting, you know, playoff Rondo, national TV Rondo, or are we getting kind of washed Rondo, which, you know, you see flashes of both. And, but just a guy who has that much savvy and experience in the playoffs, just, you know, he could end up posing a bit of a bit of a problem, Portland second unit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think those are, I think we've covered the interesting matchups for, for both series, in my opinion. I think we're both in, in the, optimistic thought process that it will probably be one of these two teams as a standing sit. Um, you know, one, one last thing to add on the Clippers too, is I, I talked about the assist rate with the nuggets Clippers allow the fourth fewest assists in the league. And so, you know, as mentioned, Portland's offense is its best when it's flowing people involved, touching the basketball with the Clippers ability to kind of not let guys get to their spots. And it, it, brings a little concern that maybe Portland resorts back to that kind of junk hero hero ball offense that you see sometimes. And granted, they have some of the best guys in the league to execute that ISO ball offense or, you know, ISO offense, but it's just something kind of in the back of my head going in, I, going into a series against that team. I want to be very clear. I don't think the Clippers are the better matchup, but I think the payoff is so monumental if, yeah. if, you, oh, yeah. if you win that series. How good would it feel to be kick Paul George out of the playoffs game? Let's be real. Yeah, I mean, well, that'd be and, great. Pa- and Patrick Beverly and Marcus Morris. All those dipshits from the bubble that were heckling Dame when he missed that free throw. I'd love yeah. to – He hasn't one, forgot, man. He hasn't forgot. You know, you know, one, two, three Cancun for all those guys. Yep. So I agree. Shit, that would be fun. Give yeah. me either. But also, it's going to really suck to lose to those guys, too. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, I just to kind of circle back. I, I think now that we've kind of looked at where we think they're going to go in the postseason and what those matchups could look like, and the success they've had in, in the last ten games. Let's be honest. We've been here before. We've been here where the Blazers are playing good before the postseason, and then they get throttled. Mm-hmm. Like we went through this specifically with the Pelican series. We've seen this before where, where they get on this run and then it doesn't quite pass the test in the postseason. Looking through that lens, do you think what's going on right now in Portland is sustainable and do you think it's going to translate to the postseason? Um, you know, kind of the first thing that comes to mind as far as just the kind of the quality of this late season run is I would have really liked to see a win against you know a top team that was fully loaded and had all their guys on there just kind of that statement win towards the end of the season and granted you know portland's beating who's in front of them that's all they can do and they have been beaten beating up on people pretty well as you know i discussed earlier but it's kind of hard for me to say that this is for sure sustainable because i don't think we've totally seen that playoff matchup against top tier team that sometimes you'll catch late in the season with a fully healthy roster um, you know, not on our back, but anything weird like that, just two teams coming in full strength and, and going at it. Um, that being said, 
I think that I it's a little bit relative to my previous expectations because I thought we were looking at a play-in and, you know, I thought they'd get to the play-in, but probably an early exit. I think this team will go into the playoffs and they will compete. I think that that portion of that fight from what I've seen for this run is translatable. And I think that we're going to see um, if they don't win their first round series, I'd be shocked if it was, you know, like a gentleman's sweep. I think it's at least going to go six, seven. So my short answer to my long rambling uh, description there is yes, I think it's going to translate. Okay. I agree with you on 50% of what you said. Perfect. I, th- I think one, I think it is important to mention relative expectation. I, I was at the point where I was finding out what it means if you make the plane and you fall out, do you get your lottery protected pick back? And are the, do I need to dust off a draft board and really scramble as mm-hmm. we head into the draft? That, that is wild to think about. Um, and, and the answer is yes. If you drop out of the playoffs and you don't make the traditional eight seed, if you have a lottery protected pick, you get it back because you are going into the lottery. Um, the, the other thing is, about not having a statement when I agree with you, there's not been a statement when there's been, there's been a lot of games where somebody's missing, like you said, a key piece to their offense or defense, but Portland in the place of no, not having a, a statement win, they have strung together consistent results, impressive results that we touched on and large margins of victory. So I think, you know, you can't pick your team's injury report, yep. but what you can do is take care of business. And I think consistency kind of, it might not be, you know, clear number one or, or one, one B to that one A of beating a team with all its stars, but it's definitely a strong number two on that list of stuff that makes you feel optimistic. Yeah. You can certainly, you know, probably put as much weight into a sustained run of good basketball as you could over, 48 minute stretch and I, and I can totally see that point i would still just like to see him battle a top the top competition mm-hmm. at this stage of the season come out on the top but again they can only be used in front of them and they've been yeah. doing that a lot lately so i can't can't fault them for it mm-hmm. and, and i would say also just really quick on that is this is a season that we haven't seen before as far as with the play-in there are there's not as many teams tanking so you know, you're getting a lot of people's best efforts on most nights, whether mm-hmm. or not they have, are at full strength, you're still getting a full effort. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, I am a little worried about some things going in on the defensive end. I, I think the Blazers, for as much as there is more movement on the perimeter, there's still a lot of open corner three-point shots coming against this team. And like we saw it tonight, especially against the Jazz, where some of that was a matchup decision, but there, there's a lot of shots that get up from the perimeter that are wide open. And I think when the pressure's on, there's certain guys, role players that rise to the occasion. And, you know, now outside of the bubble this season, back in home markets, it's proven that those role players play significantly more efficient and better when they're home in front of a crowd. Mm-hmm. So I, I am a little worried about that on the defensive end. Offensively, I, I don't think I've ever been more confident in the Blazers' ability to still generate points when Lillard doesn't get to go to his first option, second option, or third option. I, I think there's enough pieces around him 
now that he can he can divert that with confidence and he's diverting it to guys that aren't going to be pressing because there are enough options so instead of just completely hedging i i am going i'm just after my previous experience with this team i it's going to be you know prove it i i i'm definitely entering this a, a little more cautiously than i normally would um what's the fun in that man get on the wagon let's, let's let's go i know i know right no but um, i will say that the ceiling bill just from the last 10 games i think it's clear the ceiling of this team is so much higher than we anticipated being a month ago there is and don't forget i mean as good as this feels this win streak portland's still entering the playoffs as a underdog they're not going to be picked by national media to win this series who who you know no matter who they um, end up matched up against, but I do think there's legitimate upset potential here with either the Clippers or the Nuggets, you know, if they land either of those two spots. So, um, to me, so, I, so you're, you're logging into bet online sponsor of the show and you're, uh, and you're getting on there to look at the first round matchup and it's the Blazers Nuggets. Um, it, no, not picking games, not picking anything. Uh, what what do you think the odds are Blazers win that series? What what do you think the line is on that? Plus one eighty, plus two hundred, something like that. Uh, that's. Uh, I think plus two. I think plus two hundred might be a little high. I think I I think plus one sixty, plus one eighty is probably right in the sweet spot. And, and I think you're you're going to see that line probably come down because I think if it is the Blazers Nuggets and the Blazers are entering the playoffs on this big winning streak, I think you're going to see a lot of early money go on to the Blazers, and they're probably going to have to even it out. That That's just my guess. Yeah. Shout out to Bet Online. I, I put money on Portland tonight. and <laughs> You know, I can fill, fill up my uh, gas tank tomorrow. So that's good. Bingo. Well, you know, you might want to fill up your gas tank now. Uh, I mean, <laughs> they make some <laughs> <laughs> Same people buying toilet paper, or buying gas right now. Well, so, well, yeah, I meant. I mean, I'm going to put the gas in my credit card for my car. I'm actually going to put all the gas in my trash bags from what I won from Bet Online. So. <laughs> um, anyway, so so getting back on track real quick. You know, there's suddenly a light at the end of the tunnel. I feel like for Terry Stotts and, and what he could do. Are, are we feeling any more optimistic about what Terry Stotts being back next year and, and what threshold do you think he has to cross here to, to, you know, get that unlikely bid according to the media that we've been seeing come out of some very on Portland's front, very reliable sources for the most part. What, what do you think? Yeah. You know, I had the odds he'd be out at about 80%. I haven't gotten any lower. Um, I'm not sure if anything short of a final strip really gets him to safety. Um, I mean, Dwayne, Dwayne Casey, coach of the year 2018, fired. Uh, Mark Jackson had some, you know, he had some success with the Curry Thompson Green uh, group, you know, on the Warriors. He got fired, and turns out those decisions both worked out extremely well for both those franchises. So, mm-hmm. I think you know sometimes you just need to change. I think. Maybe this organization is really just at that point with Stotts. Um, but, you know, maybe short of the finals, if if they go on a on a wild, you know, run to the Western Conference finals and take it to make it a competitive six or seven game series, I think maybe he's got a shot. But 
my gut tells me this is probably it. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's interesting and important that you mentioned both Mark Jackson and Dwayne Casey for this. Cause I think, it, I think you kind of, if you split the difference between those two guys, I think you arrive to the perfect stats criticism where Dwayne Casey, things got stagnant. They, they were failing to reach that next level. You had an established backcourt in, mm-hmm. in Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. That should sound familiar. In the case of Mark Jackson, there, there's some X's and O's stuffs that were, were very questionable. That, that Stotts offensively is, is great. Inbounds, great. Mm-hmm. Defensively, he just hasn't been able to turn that corner, which is different than Mark Jackson's problems, but it still is kind of an X and O's issue another common gripe against mark jackson was how he used draymond green and really not to an extreme of how bad draymond green was used under mark jackson compared to how he was unlocked with steve kerr but stotts gets a lot of flack for how he manages rotations how he fits new guys in and kind of how he's developing players through the pipeline I, i think they do so much behind the scenes that it gets a little impatient when it doesn't click and we don't see it on the floor, you know, game in game out. So I, you know, getting back to the overall stats theme, I think I was, I was 99% that he's out. I I might come down to 90 Mm -hmm. a little bit, but I still, I I don't know if it has to be a finals run, but I think it's probably going to have to be it definitely out of the first round, I would say probably out of the second round. Yep. And then even in the conference, you know, in the Western conference finals, potentially the Blazers are going to have to look like they belong there yep. and it can't be a gentleman sweep. It can't be a sweep. And that's what concerns me about this team. Like we, you talked about it a little bit with the first round matchups, you know, I don't think this will be a first round sweep or, or a gentleman sweep. The Blazers don't do gentlemen, you know, they don't do losses, competitive losses in the playoffs. Like they're either going to win the series or they're going home quick. And so I'll be interested to see what, what this postseason looks like on that front. That's really true. It's been kind of a hallmark the last couple of years. They're either, they're either in it or they're going to Cancun. And it's very apparent early in the series that it's going to be short, right? Yeah. And so finally, just to, to wrap things up, since we talked on the coaching staff, just looking forward, because we, we do like to touch on, because me and you are always talking about roster construction. Mm-hmm. Outside of Stotts, is there something that you, because I think we're both kind of in the camp that you can't really pay Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, and Norman Powell long-term each, you know, upwards of $22 million each, and some of those guys far exceed that basically $90 million tied up in three guards. I think we're both in the same camp. You can't really do that. Is there something though that you could see in this playoffs run that would make you get on board to, to pay all three of those guys a bunch of money? Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously the first thing that comes to mind is getting out of the first round, Uh, but really just Norm being able to, to hold down that three spot against a variety of, um, matchups and players i think is just super important um for me just going back to like not what we have to see but just kind of if i'm comfortable with it you know i don't know if the blazers have another option i think they're going to be really aggressive trying to re-sign the guy um i don't it's not like he's taking a discount to play out of position be the third banana on this team so i think they'd have to pay up to keep him. um if they can i think they should i think that uh He's been an excellent fit for the team. 
Mm-hmm. I think he's done, he's added kind of a new dimension, both offensively and defensively. And, you know, if it doesn't work out, I think he's still valuable. And some of the trades with Westbrook and Chris Paul shows that no contract is really untradeable in this league. So, you know, yeah. I think I think to get him to come back, though, you're going to have to have a modicum of success in the playoffs. I, I think that's a good thought exercise, and, and I'll leave it at that. I think it, I think a first round win, at least allows the Blazers to pick their spots in a potential trade. Like obviously, like you get out of the first round, your first objective would be is use Norm Powell's bird rights to lock him up to whatever contract he's going to get on the open market, barring you know some crazy offer he might get from the Knicks or something. Right. Um, you you lock all three of those guys up you, you know, probably write a very nice letter to Jody Allen or have a very nice phone call and say, Hey, look, we're not going to try to stiff you with this huge luxury tax bill, but you know, we're going to pick our spots here. We're not going to back ourselves into, to a bad spot. And, And I think that that would be, I think close to the ideal situation short of flipping either norm or CJ for, you know, that elusive small forward that Portland's been searching for, since I can remember watching the Blazers. Um, that's all we got for you guys this week. As always, I we appreciate everybody who gets on here, listens. Please subscribe, give us five stars and Apple Podcasts. We really do appreciate it. We're going to start opening this up to guests here real soon. We want to make sure we have our sea legs before we do that. Um, also, we, we kind of want to start doing some listener questions and, and opening that up to you guys as well. Um, before I head out of here, Brian, you got anything for anybody as we head into uh, this last little bit of the regular season? And I'm just hoping that Portland can win these next two, stay in control of their destiny. And next time we're talking, man, there's going to be a lot to talk about. Play- NBA playoff season. Let's yep. go. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a wild Sunday. I think we we have our normal locker room show on Saturday. Still, uh, we're looking at kind of maybe shifting that around, but we're going to. I wouldn't be surprised if you hear from us on Sunday when all the games are going on. I, I think you're going to probably hear from us. Um, before we get out of here, just one quick thing update from from producer Perry: the the Lakers did hang on to win against the Rockets, a, a two point victory, one twenty four, one twenty two. Um, so Blazers, Mavericks, and Lakers all win tonight. Two games left. Still looking at the same picture. Just got to gotta seal up those last two. So that's all we got. Appreciate you guys as always. Be safe, be kind to one another, and, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks, all. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Church of Roy podcast. If you like what you heard, go ahead and subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at Church of Roy Pod, and be sure to check out our live show on Locker Room every Saturday bright and early at 8 a.m. Pacific. <laughs> Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian? Or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say... What is happy birthday in German? Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today.